This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings. Made multiple Pro Bowl appearances. Over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> As a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Hey, welcome into the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Your host, Mark Slareth, along with my co-host, Mike Evans, producer, Scott DeHuff. Got to thank our uh, presenting sponsor, Core Water, perfectly pH-balanced, Core water it matches your body's pH of 7.4, full of electrolytes, great tasting water. Absolutely love this water. Take it to the gym with me all the time. Every time I go to the gym, I take core water. Actually wearing a core water hat right now, which I love. Core water, they've been great to us. They're delicious. You can check them out at 7-Eleven with the big blue cap on the end. That's core water. Check them out today, and they bring this program to you free of charge every single week. So thank you so much to Corewater for presenting this show. Mike, how are you, buddy? And don't forget the big spout. Oh, it's got a huge spout. <laughs> Giganticable spout. So it uh, makes it easy to get all that water right down into your gullet. Hey, Just I, like I, cheese I know. I know we're big, uh, you know, this is a football podcast, but come on. You and I are both big baseball fans. Oh, I know. How, how great a start was that to the postseason, the Cubbies and the Rockies last night? How about it? How I mean, how about that? I mean, just from... John Lester doing his thing to, to Kyle Freeland, and you and I have been on the Kyle Freeland bandwagon uh, all season long. And I, I just, for me, I hope this. I hope that the national media, and, you know, I'm part of the national media, so I know how it works, but I hope all the national baseball media guys who ignore Kyle Freeland, who always say, hey, the Rockies, you know, they're hitters, all their numbers are inflated, they don't deserve to be in the, you know, kind of the uh, – um, MVP talk and all that stuff. Um, I hope they use reverse that that reverse kind of thinking, um, that antiquated kind of thinking on a guy like Kyle Freeland, who's been absolutely amazing. And you saw him on three days rest go out last night, six and two thirds, four hits, no runs, one walk, six strikeouts of just brilliantly pitched baseball. That guy's got a set of onions, man. He just goes out and competes in two great, I mean, two great performances because Lester's been Lester's been all balls in the playoffs as well throughout his career, but we're seeing a young lefty who is kind of taking that next step as as one of the premier pitchers in the National League. And I'm glad that I'm glad that the rest of America got to see what we've seen all season long, Mike. Yeah, and you know what it is, Mark? It's why I love the baseball playoffs. It's like why why I love all playoffs is because it's it reveals really 
you know what you're what you are as a competitor you know who you are how mm. you embrace the moment or how you shrink away from the moment and you know I'm watching Patrick Mahomes play mon- Monday night and yeah look both you and I have agreed that we e crow on Mahomes we didn't think that he'd be this good this quick and I I, I guess now <laughs> you know now it just comes down to okay is this guy such the real deal that he's gonna carry the Chiefs to a Super Bowl. Because he certainly seems to have the regular season thing figured out. Yeah, he he's he's amazing. And when you watch him, Mike, um, you know there, there's a couple things that stick out. And, and you know, this whole thing about moving on from Alex Smith, and as good as Alex Smith was, and 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 is, and Alex Smith is a great quarterback. But to watch this kid take that offense to the next level, there's a couple of things that I think about. One is you've got to understand that Patrick Mahomes, a day and age when all these coaches talk about, you know, and all these organizations talk about grooming a guy and redshirting a guy and letting a guy kind of learn the quote-unquote NFL system, and then none of them have the patience to do it, right? They all push the panic button. And here you go into a situation where the Kansas City Chiefs moved up in a draft where, let's face it, the Chicago Bears moved up to get Trubisky, um, the Kansas City Chiefs moved up to 10 um, from way down in the draft to get Patrick Mahomes. Um, Deshaun Watson, they moved up in Houston to get Deshaun Watson. But in a draft where everybody moved up to get their quarterback, it looks like this is the kid that, that is going to be the one kid that has kind of staying power more than anybody else. And I'm not saying that Deshaun Watson and Trubisky don't, but early, the the early – you know, the early results are in, and this kid looks like the real deal. But he came into a situation, Mike, where he actually got to sit on the bench, where a veteran player actually tutored him. So I'm talking to Matt Nagy the other day, who's the head coach of the Chicago Bears, who talked about the fact that Alex Smith really took Patrick Mahomes under his wing and really helped him kind of understand the NFL in general. And so you've got this great kind of tutelage, if you will, from Alex Smith. And I've always felt this way about veteran players. Like, I was always this way as a player. I'm going to teach you everything I know about football to help you become the best player you can be. And even, you know, I've always thought, like, even if it meant you're going to take my job. But here's the deal. You're not going to take my job. Because, one, I have the experience that you don't have. And... Two, you're not going to outwork me. And I know one thing's for sure. You're never going to out-tough me. So I was like, I was always secure in that. But he got that tutelage from, you know, he got that from from Alex Smith. And then he comes into an offense that everybody else in that offense has been in it for four years. So all those, you're not training 11 new guys in an offense. You're only putting one guy in a new offense. And all the other guys have been in there for four or five years for for Andy Reid. So you talk about a perfect storm scenario and man, he has been his off schedule stuff to me has been outrageously good. Like he's been great in the pocket. Don't get me wrong. He's been great when they're on schedule, but the 30% of the time when, when crap breaks down that dude Monday night, scrambling around, finding somebody to, um, you know, to push the ball down the field um, absolutely nothing short of amazing, Mike. But there is still the butt hanging over, not Mahomes, because we're, we're watching him go through it for the first time, but Andy Reid. Look, this is a guy 
who I think everybody in the NFL community respects highly, but he's got to win that Super Bowl, right? I mean, mm-hmm. in order to really put it over the top, he's got to win that Super Bowl, and his playoff failings uh, have really dogged him of late. So what's going on right now is amazing to watch, but there is that yeah but hanging over him and the Chiefs, isn't it? Um. Oh yeah, the, yeah. The the whole yeah, what they've done so far. You know, we joke around on our radio show calling them the September darlings. What they've done so far, but but Andy Reid and and this Kansas City team is going to have to get over the hump. They're going to have to win a playoff game. They're going to have to do something special in the playoffs to really solidify themselves as as you know as a team that takes it to the next step, so to speak. So that's you know that's something they've got to be able to accomplish, and so. You're not fully going to be able to, you know, to to grade them, so to speak, until they get in a playoff situation, until they win a playoff game, because that's really, that's really what it comes down to. You know, it's funny we we look at the Chiefs' fast start, and we remain skeptical, and yet the Patriots get off to another slow start, and there's this sense that yeah, you know, they're right where they need to be, and they'll be there in the end, and now they get Julian Edelman back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I you know, Julian Edelman is a guy for me. Yeah, like there's very few times this has ever happened in my life, Mike. There's there's guys who set a tone. Like guys on a football team that set a tone. And and that tone to me is is the toughness tone, you know, the toughness quotient, if you will. And it hasn't I mean, it throughout my career um as not only a football player, but as an analyst. So 12 years playing, um and then, and then, eighteen years covering this league, both as a, as a studio analyst and as a you know as a uh, as a game analyst. Now, here since I since I moved over to Fox, I think the times that I can think of a, a, a NFL wide receiver who set the kind of quote unquote toughness tone, most of them just set the whining tone. You know, the the get me the ball, I'm wide open. You know, the the just the kind of petulant child tone. Is usually sent by the diva wide receivers, but I think there's been a couple of times in my life. I think Heinz Ward for the Steelers back in the day set the toughness tone. I think that that Steve Smith, whether it was the Carolina Panthers or whether it was with the Baltimore Ravens, set the toughness tone. I think for me, Julian Edelman brings a certain toughness to the New England Patriots offense that they lack without him. He is the guy that catches, you know, the underneath stuff over the middle, breaks the tackle, gets up after a big hit, and just talks smack to the opponents. Like to the point where they have to pull him out of the fray on a consistent basis. I, I just think that part is really, really cool. And and I, I think he's the guy that brings them energy. So here we are, like we were last year, the Patriots at the beginning of the season were we're two and two, and they go on to play in the Super Bowl, and they're two and two right now. And people were like, "Oh, this may be this. This may you. This may be the season they get. They get trounced. This may be the season where Miami's ready to take the helm." Yeah, thirty-eight to seven. You know, good luck, Miami. I yeah, the Patriots are going to do what they do. They'll probably be twelve and four at the end of the season, like they are every year, and and be a number one seed. Sounds like you don't. Uh... Think they'll have any issue with the Colts tomorrow night, huh? No, I you know I I hate the Colts balance. Your, your quarterback coming off a shoulder surgery, right? 
Do you know how many? Let me. I'm just going to effort this as we talk amongst ourselves. Can we just talk amongst ourselves? Sure, sure. Sidebar. So you know, I always look at. Hey, you got Andrew Luck, which you spent a hundred million dollars on, right? And you know, he's your quarterback of the future. And then he didn't play last year, and it was almost. How how many days between NFL passes was it for Andrew Luck? Oh, like, geez, yeah, it was a staggering number. It was was it over five hundred? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was something crazy. Who knows? I mean, close enough. It was. Let's say it was almost two years, right? Somewhere in that vicinity. Let's let's call it. Let's call it. I don't know. Yeah, five hundred plus days. Whether we're right or we're wrong, it doesn't matter. We're my, in the ballpark. My, my point is this. You got a guy that's coming off the shoulder injury and, and a guy that you got to manage and all that stuff. Last week in a loss to the Houston Texans, overtime loss, you lost 37-34. He threw it 62 times, Mike. Hmm. 62 now, four TDs, no interceptions, 464 yards, uh, 65% completion percentage. He was phenomenal. But you don't win. I just don't believe you win games in the NFL like that. I just don't think, I just don't think consistently, especially coming off an injury, you just expose yourself to hits. You expose your quarterback. I just don't think that's the proper way to go about it. But that's where they are right now. I just don't think you're going to beat New England that way. The other thing about New England, and this is the crazy thing to me, like they're missing Julian Edelman. They get him back on Thursday night, so that should be a big boost to them. Um, Gordon also that they traded from from Cleveland. I, I think he'll get an opportunity to play. But this is so New England. So last week in their victory over Miami, I think Sony Michelle had 25 carries, maybe 25 plus carries for over 100 yards. Um, oh, by the way, you know who the leading receiver was James White. I mean, is that not the most New England thing ever? Like, okay, it went like we're down a couple of receivers. Um, yeah, things are, you know, it's it, things are bad, and you know, and and. Oh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna fall apart, and and there's not harmony here. Um, oh, yeah, Sony Michelle, 25 carries, 112 yards, four and a half yards a carry, 23 long, one TD. Oh, what? James White, eight receptions, 68 yards, uh, 8.5 yards per catch, and and one TD. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. We're gonna be okay, guys. You know, pump the brakes. We'll be fine. That's New England Patriot football. Whatever we have to do to figure out a way to to put our players, our best players, in positions to win, we're going to figure that out. And they do. The one thing New England does, Mike, and this has been historic as you watch them on film, they'll take I, – I used to know this coach that used to always say – he was a baseball coach. And he would always say, listen, one of my, one of my life's passions is to take the kids – you know how you do Little League Baseball and you have these drafts, right? And you have these workouts, and then you go scout the kids, and then you draft kids on your team, right? And you're trying to everybody's trying to get the best players. You, you ever had a little league situation like that? Oh, sure, you, sure. That, okay, so this coach was uh, a friend of a friend, and he said my deal was to go in that scouting combine and take the kids that nobody else wanted, and take these, you know, these green apples. And through teaching and coaching and molding, turn them into Red Delicious by the end of the season. And New England does a better job of taking green apples, taking players that that aren't quite ready for prime time, taking players that everybody looked at 
during the draft process or the free agent process that all they could do was point uh, poke holes in their games and say, hey, instead of poking holes in the game, let's look at what this guy can do and let's put him in a position to win and let's take this green apple and by December turn him into a red delicious where he's a really good player for us. Well, they are in Boston and you know how they like apples in Boston. How do you like them apples? Uh, <laughs> I got a number. I got a number. <laughs> One of the great movies ever, by the way. Absolutely. One Did you see, you see Matt Damon's uh, Brett Kavanaugh impression on What's Saturday that? Night Live? Do you see Matt Damon's Brett oh, Kavanaugh? Yeah. I like beer. <laughs> <laughs> I was at Tobin's house with Squeech, <laughs> lifting weights. <laughs> Lifting weights. You know him and Affleck did that back in the day. Oh, hey, I'm going over to Benny's house. We're going to lift some weights and drink some beer. Uh, you know, you got me thinking about, uh, you know, whereas the Colts, the Colts can't help themselves when it comes to, you know, they say all the right things about protecting right. Andrew Luck, and then he goes out and throws right. it that many times. Something tells me that when Le'Veon Bell comes back, uh, the Steelers are going to be like, yeah, uh, we're not easing you back in. We're going to abuse you. You know, you, you thought you took all this time off to save wear and tear. We're going to use you up uh-huh. if we can. Yeah. You know, I. but isn't it up to Le'Veon Bell? I mean, if you if you What, are you saying he's going to come back in and say, here here's my pitch count? Yeah, or just, or just I mean, so Earl Thomas came in, and, and he even said, hey, listen, if I even feel like i got a headache, I'm not going to practice. So what's to stop you if you're Le'Veon Bell from coming in week seven, like you said you were going to do, and say, I'm going to play for a couple of weeks as I get my legs underneath myself and do that for a couple of weeks and then be like, yeah, soft tissue, you know, hammy's a little tight. I think I'm just going to uh, – Oh, you're, you're talking about what James Harrison advocated he do. Yeah. Come back and fake an injury. Come back and just be like, my hammy's tight. I'm not ready to go. I'm not ready to go. Why not? Why not? Well, Earl Thomas did kind of create a bit of a precedent, didn't he? He came in, he played, he got hurt. Come in, collect your check, and then say, "Yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not really gonna lay it on the line for you guys." Oof. I mean, l- listen. Now, I say that, Mike. I would never, ever do it. No, you wouldn't, but. Hey, look, we, we've got guys. Diff- we got guys that are looking out for themselves more and more. We got college guys who are bypassing bowl games so that they don't get themselves hurt. They save themselves for the NFL. So, it, you know, is is this kind of a slippery so- slope that we're starting to go down? Where guys are going to be like, "Look, hey, you know, I want it written into my contract that I only have maximum this many touches per game because I got to." I got to protect the investment. I mean, are we so, so, are we heading that way? Right. Well, so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Then would it See, I've always I've always advocated for fully guaranteed contracts, which of course you were always like, no, there's no way because guys won't play and I'm like, no, guys will always yeah, play. Yeah, you're coming around to my line of thinking, aren't you? No, I'm not at all. Really? No. Guys will guys are Guys will play. Got that? See, my thing, my thing with with that is, you don't have a fully guaranteed contract, right? I mean, you you are basically looking for long term money. So here's what I here's what I would think would would happen, and it may be like it may end up from a player's perspective, it may end up hurting you in the long run. But I think what happens, what has happened in baseball 
will happen in football. Meaning that if you go to fully guaranteed contracts, i.e. Kirk Cousins, what's going to happen? You're not signing a seven-year fully guaranteed contract. You're gonna. It's gonna get to the point where it's one and you know one to three year deals. I mean, this we saw this happen in baseball. So we saw these. We saw baseball basically, you know, kind of write, um, you know, have a market quote unquote correction. You can call it collusion. Collusion. Call it whatever. That, <laughs> That's yeah. right. Call it whatever the hell you want to call it. But we saw them. You know, we saw them change that way, right? And and that's kind of what we've seen here recently with with baseball in general, and and so like a fully guaranteed contract, I mean it may get to the point where the quarterback signs a long term deal, but everybody else, you know, is is fully guaranteed. You're signing a two year deal, and that way, you know, the teams protect themselves, and, and it it also eliminates you know it, it eliminates the players from renegotiating because you got to play this contract out. Today it's fully guaranteed. This is what we signed, and we move on. And we're not going after two years. Hey, I've outplayed my contract. Now that's the one you signed, and it was only a two or three year deal. And and uh, from a from a team's perspective, you better be very careful about who you give the money to, obviously. But I, I just think I just think we may go that direction. And I I think as the players think because of the contracts the way they are now, these seven year deals that really are voidable after two or three years, and we see all the time the the teams after one season, they bounce out of them. The teams won't be able to do that anymore. So I think what would happen was the teams would sign these two-year deals or three-year deals. Now, you'd be a mercenary. You'd be like Darrell Revis, and you could stay healthy. You can make a you know a, a crap ton of money. But, um, but I think it might correct itself, Mike, and that fear of – you know that fear of well these guys are going to roll over no they're not because they're going to be a two-year deal three-year deal and you're going to use them up and spit them out you think there'd be a blowback against Le'Veon Bell if he if he did come in and he either you know oh all of a sudden hamstring or if he did get into games there was a a, a certain cap on the amount of plays he right wanted to, right. to have do you think that there'd be a blowback when he eventually would get that coveted free agency do you think teams would hold that against him at, at all that like like he revealed some serious character flaw that would scare them away or would they look at it and say hey look that's a whole Pittsburgh deal that's that's their right. issue he's he's good to go and he'll be good to go for me and I'm yeah. gonna pay him for it well let me ask you this do you think do you think that what Earl Thomas said, and the way Earl Thomas behaved, do you think there's, do you think there'll be any blowback on Earl Thomas, or do you think teams will be lined up to sign him at the safety position? Yeah, I think they'll be lined yeah. up to sign him. If if hey, if he goes out there, if Le'Veon Bell goes out there and gives you ten just freaking dynamic plays, and then goes, yeah, ankle's a little tender, I'm going to sit down, because. Here's the thing that Le'Veon Bell learned about his teammates. His teammates are frauds. That's what he learned. How so? They're they're talking about his money. They're roasting him in front of in front of a locker when they get in front of their locker room. Um, his offensive line are bagging on him. Like 
before the Cleveland game, a game in which they went on the road and tied in Cleveland, and they're worried about Le'Veon Bell. Like, you don't do that. You don't do that to a player. Look at look at Bobby Wagner. Look at all the guys on that Seattle roster. Look at how they talk about Earl Thomas. Glowingly talk about his his leadership, the way he works, the way he plays the game. Like, Pittsburgh turned their back on one of their players over a money dispute. Like, they didn't have – like, I've never, ever seen a team turn its back – on its own player who's produced when that player can't get a long-term contract and that and that team turned its back on him like what does he owe that team shoot they're a bunch of they're a bunch of benedict arnolds they went they sided with the organization over over their own guy i mean that 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 the steelers are to me they're a mess and that's and when the Offensive line, when they go out and do that, like I've never seen that before from any offensive lineman, I'm embarrassed to call them offensive linemen. Coming up uh, in our next podcast, we'll we'll get a chance to look at it to this weekend's games. Another good full slate of games. So looking forward to that. Money making picks, all that stuff coming I up. I crushed you last week. I, crush is a strong word. I, a bit strong, a bit hyperbole there. You crush. edged me. You edged me out. Edged. Yeah, you edged me out. I beat you by a full game. <laughs> yeah, but I'm still ahead of you in the loss column. <laughs> you and that damn loss you know, column. I love that loss column. Yes, you do. <laughs> All right, brother man. Uh, always good to be with you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thanks to our presenting sponsor, Core Water. Um, and we will be back with you uh, later on in the week.